0: Let's go! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Binge Sound TV. I am Paul, and with me today are Kyle, Luke, and Dave. And we're here talking The Witcher, Season 2, Episode 7, Volethmere, and Episode 8, Family. So Episode 7 will be released first. Episode 8, the finale, will be not too far behind. But for this episode, we're going to be covering Episode 7 with the knowledge of Episode 8, the finale. So I would advise watching the finale before listening to this to avoid spoilers. But with that being said, episode seven, roll Mir, AKA the deathless mother wild episode. I was speechless after the first time I saw it. Uh, what are your guys thoughts? Starting with our rookie Kyle.
1: Um, It's kind of hard to talk about it without talking about episode eight a little bit, but I, I really liked it. I, I've, it finally feels like we're kind of, like everything's coming together a little bit. Although it's funny, there's a lot of buckets that we have for this episode and different storylines, but it seems like now it's almost like becoming one story versus a lot of people doing their own things in different areas, which is really nice. And there's just a lot of good reunions in this episode. Uh what it what is the is Yarden? Is that the dwarf mm-hmm. guy? Yarpin. Yeah. Yarpin. Yarbin just he was nice to see i honestly i hadn't really even rewatched season one before going into this but i recognized him immediately so it was nice to see him on screen and it's just i like watching Geralt interact with characters that aren't siri honestly because it's fun him not being like a dad and him just being like just exasperated at other people like his age i guess you could say so i thought it was
2: a really good episode I'll just cut in really quickly. I really enjoyed it. It, Like Kyle said, it's hard to talk about. It's hard not to talk about this episode without mentioning eight, but I thought it did a really good job as the penultimate episode, just bringing us together for that one final episode coming in the end. And these, these, this episode and last episode were a lot of political stuff. It seems like we don't get too much action in these episodes. I think that comes in the next episode a lot overall, still a very solid episode. I think this season I'm, I haven't been on this podcast since the, Episodes one and two, but really True. quickly overall, I just want to say that this series to me, Paul, this might hurt you a little bit, but I have actually been really loving it so far. Even as a book reader, uh, I'm just really happy with the changes they're that they're making. I think they're doing them really well with it not being fresh content. So shout out to the execs and all the producers on the show. They're doing a really good job, I think.
0: Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, that's the goal of the show. The show yeah. introduced us introduced me personally to the Witcher so like this, that's a
2: good thing. Like to me this might be my favorite fantasy show right now. Like out of all like Britannia I've watched, Wheel of Time, like I think this season really put it at the top as of right now. I think Wheel of Time obviously is going to surpass it very soon. But with the second season, I think it really shot up from season 1 and I'm so happy to talk about this in the finale.
3: Yeah, I totally just want to reiterate everything Dave just said right there. Um I was just freaking out last night after I watched seven and eight, just walking around pacing. I just wanted to talk about it. I thought they were both incredible. And it's so hard for me to say that I like this show right now better than Wheel of Time, but I think I do. And like you're saying, Dave, Wheel of Time is going to probably beat it once we get another season out there. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It was freaking fantastic. Yasker's like so good for me anytime he's on screen. And I didn't even remember how much better he is there's synergy with Geralt like not he's fine he was hilarious and he was awesome with with uh Yennefer and he had that great song that was like a part two for him but dude him with Geralt is is just money and then everything they're doing like all these changes major plot changes like the monoliths and the spheres and even this deathless mother that are just completely not relevant in the books I'm loving everything that they're doing with it um, I think it's it's taking us it's, it's a better way to show this world and make us love these characters just because, you know, Netflix has a billion fucking dollars and and Henry Cavill's the man. He knows his shit. So he's putting his own flavor on it and he's trying to stay as close to the source material as he can while also adapting this completely new plot that's just way more up my alley when it comes to fantasy and sticking with episode seven itself. It was, you know, penultimate, like we didn't get a lot of conclusions to things, but the seeds were there and I'm ready to fucking talk about it.
2: I'm glad Gerald is, or Henry Cavill can be a part of this show because not only can he be like, oh, that's like a ridiculous scene or something like, it, like if a quote becomes too out of the ordinary for a character, he can be there mm-hmm. to just steer it back on the same track as what the books were kind of like. So it's a good, because a lot of the general plot points are covered in the show, which I love. And some of the minor things are adjusted, like the amount of monsters and the amount of witchers. Like that's just something that, I've come to deal with, and I think it's really good for the show.
0: Yeah. I think in my opinion, the show would be garbage if Henry Cavill wasn't involved. I think his yeah. passion, his passion for it, uh, like you can see in interviews and for season two, it looked like there's pain on his face because he was trying to say like, I do the best job I can to bring the source material into the show and like try to relate it as much as possible and do this for the fans. And it looks like he has pain on his face and I didn't know why. And then I watched season two and like, I watched this episode monoliths and I'm like, like wh- what, like, where's this going? Um, so my first watch through, I got to say, I really didn't enjoy it, but kind of getting over myself and separating this from the books. I was like, okay, just think about it separately. It is a really cool concept. Um, thought it was on the second rewatch i enjoyed it way more i will say so i don't know it, there's a weird gap between where i want to see characters later on in the series and now i don't know if they're going to be getting there just because they're going a different path so i'm just coming to terms with that
3: last thing i want to say though i did see you know i i'm because i've read all seven books I can go onto the Reddit and I can go into the book reader spoilers review and recaps of all these episodes because you get a whole new perspective compared to just show watchers. And it looks like the general sentiment, even among like diehard book fans, is that if you're going to rate this show out of 10 for an adaption, it's like a two out of 10. But if you're rating it just as a fantasy show, most people were above seven and a half. And that's pretty much where I stand, except I would go even higher and say it's like a fucking nine to me right now. Uh, but you know, I totally agree as an adaption. This is w- way worse than like what Wheel of Time did, and it's not even recognizable. If the car, if you change the characters' names, you probably wouldn't even, and The Witcher wasn't so obvious as like a specific thing in fantasy, you wouldn't even know that it's from the same thing.
2: I think a lot of our feelings, too, like at least of like the uh, of it not being adapt- adaptable to the books, is that. Um, It's just like a lot of fear like when you stray so far off the books and the source material, you don't know how well it's going to be executed. And I'm sure like Luke and Kyle know for Wheel of Time, you're just, there's always that back your mind fear that it's just not going to turn out as well as it could be always. But hopefully, like we've been saying, sorry to keep reiterating, but if it stays on this path, I think the Witcher will become to be a very good canonical piece of work for the Witcher series as a whole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, th- I think it's, I mean, we've been making the Wheel of Time comparisons. It's definitely a better TV show than Wheel of Time is. I mean, yeah. granted, it's the second season, but just like, even as someone, if you don't know anything about how a TV show is made and you kind of just watch and enjoy it, just like the feel of it, it feels more expensive, more polished, just seems like a better TV show than what Wheel of Time gave us in season one. And then the next thing I'll say, Paul, before I'll hand the reins back to you is that when you make that, that Henry Cavill in- an interviews comment it just reminds me of amelia clark giving all the red carpet interviews before yeah. season eight of game of thrones mm-hmm. and us like being blinded to it and being like oh like they can't say anything because it's so yeah. good and then looking back it's like oh it was because it was so terrible <laughs> yeah uh,
0: yeah I, I don't have much more to say on it uh but like you guys are saying it's just a really good show i mean the actors are amazing and i'm just not even talking about you know henry cavill uh, Freya Allen and Anya Charlotta I believe his name is Yen uh, but I'm talking like Vilgefort's actor to say his actor Dickstra uh, Deekstra, I mean even though he's kind of a bitch we he, he's a great character I love him and I think they nailed that too that's one of the things they definitely nailed and Yasker. you know how can you forget uh, Yasker? Joey kills up, it
3: he's yeah. so freaking good man his delivery of just every line that's supposed to be funny I laugh at and that's just such a good sign of the actor himself, not even the writing.
0: And like you said, he has so many good lines, it's impossible to write them all down. Otherwise, you'd just be writing yeah. down a script. But that being said about the characters, we are going to cover this episode in character buckets. Um, we're actually going to do it by location. So we're going to start with the Eratusa story. And it's going to be Vilgefortz, Tissaia, Dijkstra, and Fringilla's uncle, Artorius, for a little bit. So to say and Vilgefortz are banging. Wild. That was uh, far crazy. Too many
3: clothes on. Come back to bed. <laughs>
0: the classic come back to bed line.
3: Yeah,
1: that, that was uh He's a fuck boy.
0: Yeah, he is. He's a good looking dude. I'll give him that. They just kind of go on to say, you know, you're my partner. We're equals almost like you can tell me if something's wrong to say. Uh, uh, and I don't I don't know if this is them confirming that they got the new positions of authority within the brotherhood. That's you know how I is. took it. But yeah, I, I don't remember seeing anything that was like, all right, like you are officially,
3: I think that was off screen and it's fine. Like, what do we, we didn't really need to see like a vote or anything. And it seemed to was mm-hmm. so obvious that Stregobor was kind of losing steam. He's racist towards elves and everyone else has like different opinions. And just these two guys are uh, to and Vilgefort seem like the up and coming while Stregobor seems like the old now. So I'm fine with them. Just kind of throwing that as like a happened off screen thing.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I don't want to waste any time on things. That's not Henry Cavill. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's fine to me. I just, I just didn't honestly wasn't confirmed for me. So I'm glad that you guys got that too. Um, they say we have an unex- unexpected visitor. It's Deekstra. Uh Redania must be up to something, you know, fucking Redania. Uh, later on, we see them uh, all talking that being to say a Vilgefortz, Deekstra, Stregabor and I believe uh, Artorius is there as well.
1: Artorius is there, yes.
0: And that they're talking
1: such a fucking
0: strong name. Yeah, it is really cool. Oh my god, he it just like, exudes
3: uh, power. It's like Kingsley Shacklebolt. <laughs> yeah, Kingsley.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great first name. Thomas
0: Andre. Yeah, the ultimate example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're talking about this uh, elven baby that was born, um, and not only is it the first elven baby to be born in, in like a really long time but it was born to an elven mage as well so stragabor is freaking out he's like oh my god it's much worse than we feared elves are going to be everywhere he's not having a good day
2: i think I, I really enjoy these this scene right here because this is actually something that happens in the books and it's just awesome seeing these characters on screen interacting with each other and we see how the brotherhood really isn't that Close, you know, everyone has their own objectives and goals. They all have their ideas of what the elven blood is, how that's going to play a role into the whole world. But they each have their own objectives on why they want to capture Siri, but they do share some common interests. And in like, you know, okay, this is enemy number one. We'll have to get through them to get to Siri kind of thing. And all these characters here are just so strong and so sneaky. Like they're just they all remind me of Eyes to Die. They're just like they just they can. They, I feel like they're telling the truth a lot of time, but they're just kind of like weaseling their way around words and stuff. And uh, I just love to say also to say is Bay and she has been killing it this season in my mind.
0: So to say is saying, you know, only you see a threat where everybody else sees a baby. Shaggy was freaking out saying it's not just a baby. It's a symbol of beacon potential enemy who will live for centuries. So again, he is, is just freaking out. um but to say a talking to Dijkstra, she's saying, you know, I doubt you came all the way here just to tell us about a baby being born and gossip. So what's the deal? And Dijkstra's saying, you know, in my line of work, this week's gossip is next month's news. And he talks about how he knows Full Test's mage, Triss Marigold, has returned to Aretuza. And this doesn't really reveal anything. This is just, just kind of a flex it's like Mm -hmm. Dijkstra just has the best spy network he knows it seems like he knows everything that's going on Um, so to say it looks a little worried
3: he's just Varys with an evil personality basically is how I take it
1: I have a question is is Triss still technically like considered test's mage or is like Dijkstra just going off of what was happening kind of before the Battle of Sodden
0: so Triss was Test's mage for a long time. I don't believe she went back. Like, she still was when the Battle of Sodden happened. Yeah, She she just kind of left to go fight. So I believe she still is, but she just, like, hasn't really recovered. Like, she finally recovered and then got called off to Care mourn.
1: Um, yeah, that, that was going to be my question, is that, like, can Geralt, obviously he's the guy, and I would go running to him as well. But I'm just curious of, like, was that a little taboo for him to call another kingdom's mage?
0: I mean, I that's a good point. like what Geralt's doing is more important than full tests.
1: Yeah, only because when he said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's a thing I forgot.
3: how I see it is <laughs> yeah. is that the mages are all everyone in the, every one of the mages in the Brotherhood basically has the brotherhood's agenda in mind, and then each of them have their own like sub agendas. And it's pretty much a free for all from what I understood because technically Yennefer was the mage when she originally met Yasker when he had like his throat thing going on in the Genie episode for the first time in season one. Like she was technically that country's mage, right? And then she kind of just drops it whenever it felt convenient to her because they can really do whatever they want. They're the most powerful people ever. And if you're not like Nilfgaard's mage or like a huge a uh, country like redania i'm sure people don't care as much and full is kind of looked down as like a joke among the um other kings because like there's all the rumors about him with the incest and his sister and then like also he's like older and doesn't really have too many aspirations so i just see it as like it's not too relevant because what the hell is Foltest gonna do
0: just to clear something up you are right that it is kind of a free-for-all just because you are the chair for a kingdom doesn't mean you always have to be there but yen when that whole yes thing happened I, it was at that point like she was a rogue she left the brotherhood she's doing her own thing mm. um at that point so i just wanted to clear that up
2: oh, right. and we also know that Triss used to have feelings or still does for gerald like i mean that's already been kind of talked about so she wants to go to someone who she also feels like is not only safe but someone she can actually trust not just the brotherhood that going
0: back to that Trish coming on a Geralt line, like she he just completely rejects her. And there were so many memes of like Trish saying, Hey, come to bed with me tonight, and Geralt being like, Triss, this is my yen playthrough. I'll get you the next playthrough. Or <laughs> we'll we can do it to story. So that was awesome.
3: I like Triss. Yeah, yeah, man. She's good. I like her okay. too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like Triss honestly. It's hard to say, but I I would say I like her more this episode or this season. I'm sorry, uh, then I thought you were one.
1: gonna say some wag shit comparing her to Yennefer. I was like, okay,
3: <laughs> no, I think everything about Tris is, is good except how she reacted to Siri, and we kind of beat that to death yeah. in the last podcast. So, mm-hmm.
0: I just want to clarify I am Team Yen, okay?
3: So, <laughs>
0: put that out there. Um, so Dexter kind of just drops a little nod to, oh, like she came back with a stomach illness and all the stomach illnesses were coming up from the mountain. So he kind of knows where Trish was coming from up north in Karamorne, just more flexing. He kind of leaves and then Trish, or I'm sorry, say goes and talks to Trish. And they were just kind of talking about old times of when she was when Trish was actually at Eratusa it reveals to Trish that, you know, I saw Cirilla of Cintra at Sodden with a white-haired witcher. I didn't know who she was at the time, but they were looking for Yen, and they believed she was dead. This is is saying, the info you told me about Ciri, when you performed the Dalduza on Ciri, that vision quest thing. Uh, she's wondering who else knows, and only the witchers and Tissaia. Trish doesn't trust anyone else, but right as she says that, Vilgefortz Force runs in. He's like, Tell me everything. And to say is like, Bro, this is not what we planned. She's not ready yet. This so Trish doesn't is. trust Vilgefortz.
2: Force. Yeah, this is a very, uh, like, at this point in time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he said it. <laughs>
2: fuck that distracted me what was i going to say <laughs> we haven't seen really this side of vilga vilgaforts like he's been very calm and he's been someone we've seen as a more me- level-headed person in the room it seems like like Stregobor is always outspoken on what he believes district did uh, i can't ever pronounce the name jikstra is always in the background listening and we just know that he's somewhat of a voice of reason so here in this moment we see this abrupt anger almost that tris was holding out this information and he's really hounding her and it's just this different side of him that we haven't seen in the series just yet and i think this is going to be an important scene for future events as we can tell because of the tension that it creates with him and to because
3: he he does go on to say like the importance of all this when he's like freaking out and tris runs away like yo this is all about siri she has the chance to end not just this war but all wars forever and that's pretty much the whole theme of this episode mostly next episode too. But Kyle, I want to ask you, what do you think Vilgefortz's priorities are? Like about, like, do you think, hey, I'll just leave that open-ended.
1: The note I have is just that Vilgefortz is a (laughs) fuckboy. Like you think he's- He's a gaslighting motherfucker.
3: Do you think he's, when you're saying he's a fuckboy, is he like anti the Brotherhood or anti Syrian and Geralt? Or is he like, you just don't like how he treats Taseya?
1: Well, he's definitely not pro Syrian and Geralt, I don't think. I think that he has his own designs about what Siri's potential is and how he can use her as a tool. So I don't think anyone that has that kind of mindset is pro Siri at all. Mm-hmm. And anyone with that kind of mindset, they're not on my squad. I don't, fuck <laughs> with them. um, that's a good way to put I don't, it. I just think that him, just because of what we know, I guess, or rather what they showed us, what they want us to think, I guess at the end of episode, I'm sorry, season one, that he's like, not really on our side. Mm -hmm. I just don't trust him at all. I can't tell if he's like working hard for Nilfgaard. They do try to like build up Nilfgaard as this, they're the villains. So I guess it would kind of, it's easy to make that logical assumption that he's working with Nilfgaard to do whatever the hell Nilfgaard wants to do. But I just don't like, I like I thought he had swag even though we know he's bad kind of in the beginning of the season. But this episode in this scene was like, kind of the final straw like i don't really fuck with this guy Mm -hmm. i just don't like the way that he treats tris and to in
2: this scene i think he does mean like well i think his intentions are good it's just the means of how he's going to get there is a little from what we see here is might be a little disturbing like you said like just anti-siri for the most part like just as a tool he sees her
1: yeah he's super means justify the end or i'm sorry ends justify the means kind of yes Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think that I just didn't like the line of you know when he's trying to butter to say up like you're my most trusted confidant and all this shit. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can't wait for you to treat me like that. It's like fuck off, pussy. (laughs) Like you know you're (laughs) fucking lying to her, you little bitch.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know he was saying, you know, send your mages out. Find this girl, priority number one. Or to say is saying, I'm not sending my girls after something and putting them at risk that could possibly kill them. Vigilfortz freaking out saying I wouldn't ask you to do it unless it was completely necessary like as soon as he raises his voice to say just turns around and walks out I love that
2: and that Um, also we also were just talking about Vigilfortz's plans of what he imagines like what his kind of side quest is and here we see that to say is all about her girls just she wants them to just be very prosperous she doesn't seem to care about Syria. If anything, she wants her dead just because life was good before Syria arrived in the world. <laughs> and it just threatens her sister or her daughters basically. So,
0: And yeah, that was it for the era two is the timeline. There's a one more scene we're going to get to with Artorias, the, the badass name guy. We're going to mm-hmm. cover that in this character bucket, which is the Sintra or Zintria uh, location. And it's Kahir, Frangilla. Zara, Francesca, Filivandro.
2: Oof! This is this was great. This was great. is a
0: big one. Mm-hmm. So I've said this a million times. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I'm going to say Hake, the Nilfgaardian general. He's mm-hmm. talking to Fringilla, and they're saying Fringilla saying to him like, "Are you sure they sent a spy? Yeah, because that's what I would have done." Um, he's talking shit on all the elves, dwarves, and halflings. The security, all,
2: the security shit in the
0: yeah, city. Exactly, he he's having a fit, and Frangilla is just trying to save people. Uh, Hake isn't having any of it. Frangilla is saying we need to rebuild our forces, and Kahir's kind of being the mediator. He's kind of playing both sides. He's he's like, yeah, we do need to rebuild our forces, but you know we can't just trust them before we know where their allegiances lie. So he's kind of like in between Hake and uh, Frangilla, but then they get the subject that half of the elves didn't muster for training and this was because of the child's birth it was super late and the uh, celebration went late into the night but you know there's uh nilfgaard that is all the nilfgaard generals are not happy about it
2: fuck nilfgaard let them elves party baby celebrate that birth and like the whole issue is that
3: amir is gonna be arriving tomorrow and basically just get your shit together because the fucking emperor is coming um
0: he calls him pointies (laughs) when he's talking about the elves it it, i just thought that was hysterical like that's a derogatory term is pointies Mm -hmm.
3: i hate a racist
2: in this show yeah i hate hake and i i don't love frangilla well i actually probably despise frangilla as well so (laughs) The fact that I feel kind of bad for her, too, in this scene just shows that I just can't stand Hake. And when we get into that later scene, I was, like, foaming at the mouth. I was like, let's go, baby. Justice. I had
1: written here that they really just need to kill this guy. (laughs) (laughs) The two of them, I feel like, are so powerful that they could easily just do it. I guess some type of political thing is holding them back from doing so. From Jill, obviously, throws that the fuck out the window a little bit later. But one thing that... I just can't stop looking at Kahir and in my opinion, how ridiculous he looks. I just, he like, he, I feel like it looks like he's just walking around in pajamas with some like blowout haircut <laughs> that makes him look like Christopher Walken.
2: <laughs> I
3: was thinking, dude, that when he turns dude, his head, it just keeps going.
1: Yeah. It's so I just like, look at his hair. It's so voluminous and his outfit is so like pajama, like mm-hmm. it just, it just like, It's so different than like the picture I have in in my head of him from like season one and like this general, like commander of the forces. It just kind of makes me laugh
2: in the penis suit, too. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) foreskin suit, foreskin. Sorry, sorry.
0: Uh, yeah, so this basically boils down to Fringilla doesn't trust all these Nilfgaardian generals. Um, she's saying, Hey, Kahir, why should I even trust you at this point? Kahir's you know saying, Hey do you really think I'd tell you all of this if I wasn't on your side? Everything I do is for the white flame. So it seems that the Nilfgaardian generals and Frangilla are just clashing and, and Kahir's somewhere in the middle. And then we get this brutal scene. Uh, Hake, I hate that name too. I just hate this guy all, all together. I'm so glad we don't have to talk to him after this episode. <laughs> um, but we have this really brutal scene. There's this young girl tied on – Tied up and she's on the edge of the battlements and Hake is accusing her of trying to breach the castle. Oh, she must be the spy. She's saying, Oh, all I did was look for food. I'm innocent. Hake's like, Oh, hey, are you going to do it or, or his wife to do it? Oh, Fringillo, you're talking all this big game of "I'll take care of the elves, put them in line. She doesn't do anything. Pushes. So Hake says, you know, fine, I'll do it yourself. Myself pushes her off the ledge. I hate that they showed the, the snap and the bounce. I just, oh, brutal. Yeah. The
2: bounce is rough. I really thought Frangilla was gonna save her. I, I genuinely thought she was gonna go in and stop it, but and then we saw the bounce and I was not about it. It was a really dark scene, even for the witcher here. I would say
3: they're getting paranoid. Yeah. There's like multiple bodies hung up. So oh, yeah, yeah there that there's like a full on investigation. Time's passed since they found out that there's a spy there.
0: And Dar's looking up and he sees this and he's like, What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Why are they killing all these elves? We're supposed to be on the same team. Um, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah really uh we go to francesca and philavandrel and they're still in awe over this baby this is like what the first morning they have together with it so they're still trying to name it and fragilla comes in and she's pissed because she's saying half your fighters failed to show this morning oh well yeah many of us had to change our heart fragilla well, like, we'll fucking change them back because <laughs> we yeah. had a deal and Phil Vandru goes on to say, I never intended to fight for Nilfgaard. Francesca convinced me to initially, but now she gave us even a greater reason not to. It's time for us to rebuild and grow strong again. I mean, Regilla's they have not to happy. know
1: that that's a wild thing
0: to say to her. Oh, yeah. Just like go how- back on your deal completely.
1: Yeah. It's like, and the, especially because this was an expected outcome. Like, they we're anticipating her having this child at very least. I mean, I guess, I don't know how long elves, what is it? Gesticulate? Is that what the, the term just, is? For, I
2: don't know.
1: Yeah. We for, know women. For, yeah. I, <laughs> I know all about women and <laughs> like they had to have known this was coming for months. It's just like, it's obviously I'm completely understanding of Fringilla's viewpoint, even though like Dave, I don't really like her that much i totally get why it's like yo what the fuck like this was this is part of the plan. this is not an unexpected unforeseen circumstance Mm -hmm. like that was your side this is my side like what the fuck's going on here
2: i think the elves also could have just been playing into that just like feeding them like yes yes just because they wanted a safe place to give birth for this child just if they had just done it out in the middle of nowhere you know who knows who would have just came and tried to wipe them out I'm not yeah. defending that. I still think, yeah, they just blatantly went back on their word of just wanting to fight. But yeah. that was to me the only defense I could think and of in
3: that moment. My first thought about this was like, what the hell does this mean? Like with the deathless mother and the whole like deal that they had and stuff. Because I think we, at least, we're led to believe we're never explicitly told though. But uh, Fringilla's was, you know, favor from uh, Amir. Plus like this whole union with the elves. So like that clearly was just going to get destroyed. I was just curious. I thought that was, what's going to lead to the baby's death. Like when they started breaking their deals with the deathless mother. But um, yeah, that was like, that's, that's what they talk about actually. As soon as uh, Phil, Phil Evandra leaves the room. And then that's when Francesca drops the line about, you know, blood's thicker than water, basically like elves over our friendship. And I value your friendship, but you're not my baby. And speaking of which, if you didn't pick up on it Kyle cuz they don't they uh the, they settled on the name of it was Fiona and then that is actually Siri's second great middle grand- name. Cuz they say Siri's full name at the beginning of episode 8 and Fiona is
2: It's also a great like great great grandmother or something. Yeah, like yeah. if you go back to that like tree mm-hmm. and it yeah. stops it's- right where it stops is actually Fiona. So It's
1: also um what uh that's Shrek's wife.
2: Yeah, it mm. is Shrek's world. Cameron
3: Diaz?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, true. <laughs> I think our ogres, ogres are confirmed in this world. Ogres they just don't, look, the very they just don't look anything like Shrek. Mm. Uh, but exactly what Luke said. Uh, Francesca's saying, you know, blood's thick in the water. We're friends. I appreciate that. But I'm going to do what's best for my family. <laughs> yeah.
1: Stay healthy. Later.
0: See yeah. So what does what, what, Fringif- what does Fringilla do? She bounces to Eratusa to her only family she has, and she's like, "Hey, I fucked up. Like, I might need to flee. Can you guys help help me out?" Um, she portals over to uh, her uncle Artorius's office, and he's like, "How dare you show your face here after lying to us at the Conclave and then attacking us at Sodden?" And I'm like, "Yeah, fuck Fringilla. Why is <laughs> yeah, why is Fringilla even like?" partially thought of as a good person she's straight evil
3: killer man as soon as she shows up to the brotherhood that's like you just death killer.
2: she knew she knew the one person that she could go to was the uncle because and then she flips the whole script she's mm-hmm. like blood thicker than water <laughs> and i'm just like fuck you i hate you
0: <laughs> yeah she does she brings up the you know you're my only family please family is like the strongest bond there is just straight pulling that front Francesca's line.
3: Mm-hmm
1: i'm curious about they have the line where it's like who she says oh i bet you know me coming in here set off a bunch of alarms but i'm just curious and i know you guys have mentioned a little bit that the magic system is fairly soft of like could this just happen to anyone at any time like she could someone. just portal someone into her uncle's office and they could just kill him
3: uh, yeah. portals portals are pretty liberal in yeah, they, the witcher I'm universe curious
1: of, of how broken they are they're pretty uh,
3: fucking broken
0: I, it's funny you say that because i actually thought in this scene she just kind of portals in and he's just writing i was like what if he was jerking off like what if he just walked in there your uncle completely naked like oh taking God. a dump like there's no knocking on the door with portals
1: i would rather do that than him fucking jerking off
3: <laughs> <laughs> kyle do you remember from season one it's like a very brief scene when Yennefer's actually being chased by the Nilfgaardian agent. Yes. She's just every five seconds like portaling somewhere else. So yeah. that just kind of shows you it's basically, it's not, doesn't take a lot of effort, I guess. Well, she runs out of
1: gas though. Doing She that. does
3: eventually. And I will also add that. I really hope this becomes a plot point. There's, there are specific portals in the Witcher world that take you extremely far distances. And I think that would, maybe that's like a limitation is like the distance where you can portal, it's hard to get a grasp of like the map, the especially as only a show um, yeah. watcher, because you don't really know. Like, the distance, I, be, I think, between where the Brotherhood is and Nilfgaard's kind of situated at this point is not that far, because it's in center, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because that's, that's just, pretty yeah. damn close, I think, on the map. So, like, you know, maybe that will become a thing later in a later season. But
1: It also seems like they're pretty good at, like, indoctrinating these mages and whipping them into shape. Yeah in terms of being, I guess, good guys in their eyes. I don't know how many rogue mages will get total. We have that that fire guy who I kind of like. And obviously Fringilla has gone off the deep end a little
2: bit. So I guess it's, I just feel like I'd be paranoid all the time. And I think, to what we were talking about to go off that is just that the, I think the level of mate, like the trust in the mage is at least somewhat there. I know we were talking about how there's rivalries and there's people butting heads constantly, but there is a level of trust where it's like, even for Fringilla to be able to come back and like not immediately just get like bolted down. It's just like they're, they're so close knit and like a lot of their, a lot of their individual objectives is all for the mages as well. So I just think that at the end of the day, they are pretty close to each other and yeah, sure she would get arrested on the spot, but I think there is a level of like, and, and even if, and if it's very rare too in cases for someone to step out of that brotherhood, let's mm-hmm. say like Reince, for example, who, is not only a mage is a strong one but you know he can't really teleport either it seems like it seems like every time he's left it's been someone his master who's been doing it you know so well, it yeah. might be a it might also be a very difficult spell for very like inner circle people
3: so another last point is just that uh, it's hard to grasp from the season 1 but I know we've talked about it off podcast a lot just to reiterate They're, they they trained in Aretuza for decades like Yennefer is old as shit Uh, And you don't really see that. And you, if you're just kind of casually watching, you're not picking up on that. So hypothetically, Fringillo could have been training for like 40 years. Like that's not going to get destroyed by one decision of, I mean, it will get destroyed. Like they don't trust you anymore, but they're not going to just kill you. Someone you've been around for 40, 50 years, whatever it is.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
3: The
1: question was coming from the perspective of, I know like in a lot of magic systems, there's the concept of wards and type of defenses against that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess I was just curious if that was a thing here. I think that would in, be in real more... time. There's like things like wards. There's, I mean, there's a gentleman's agreement of not using certain types of magic. I was just kind of curious if there was like any I'm type sure... of like lore around that.
2: Yeah. And I think Aratuza itself has a pretty strong defense system. Like anyone besides a mage, like if you're just like Geralt running guns ablazing blazing, trying to get into r Like, I just don't think that's going to go well for anybody you know.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, Eratuza being there probably has its own wards. Um so it, it's I doubt you could spread wards very far outside of like a specified location.
1: Oh yeah, I would just want to do it to my office. I wouldn't want this fucking yeah, to, yeah. like, just yeah. portaling into my office like this. Fuck. And the yeah, fact that you're my niece.
0: I think you you nailed it when you said there's like different levels of portals. Like if you're really good, maybe you can get one through a ward, maybe most people can't. Fringilla, like Luke was saying, she's this, uh, I would say, master magician, uh, master she mage. Is.
2: The fact that I'm, she uses fire kind of already shows that a little bit. Yeah, we saw at the that co- sacrificing at the cost people. Of, yeah, at the cost <laughs> of sacrificing people, but she was still capable of doing it without herself mm-hmm. burning.
0: But her uncle says, like, hey, you can return to eratusa You would just have to apologize to everyone. She's like, oh, apologizing for Nilfgaard, for aligning with Nilfgaard. He's like, nah, for believing that you could have any impact there at all. You just got to say, hey, sorry. Sorry, I thought I was more than worthless. Um, and the thing that really pushes her over the edge, her uncle says, there are those who are obsessed with finding power and those who know their place. You know yours because you wouldn't have come back here if you didn't. Basically calling her little weak, softy ass.
2: Saying, that pisses her off to know yeah, it's You there. know
0: you know your place. We have a short Dara scene where he's talking to his damn owl. So he's saying, you know, of course I'm nervous. I'm a spy behind like enemy lines. Um, As a child, I watched centrist soldiers murder my kind. Now I'm watching Nilfgaard do the same. It was supposed to be like my safeguards. And he feels awful because he knows that Nilfgaard generals are looking for a Danyan spy, AKA himself, and just killing others of his kind. So... He's also saying he feels so guilty, and now that he's seen El celebrate the birth of a baby, seeing the that Elven baby in her in her mother's arms, like he doesn't care about Redania anymore, he doesn't care about Siri or Nelfgard anymore. All he wants to do is help keep that flame of Elven passion alive.
2: And I think that goes into why they bailed as well. Like we get it, yeah. from not only. King, uh, not King Fultus, um, Phil Evangel and Francesca's point of view, like them having a child, but it also impacted those who are watching, you know, like even like this is just more perspective on this is why we gave up fighting is because now we with the birth of this child. Can I also
1: get a refresher on why the elves can't just bang?
0: Because after a certain amount of years after like okay. a human lifetime, they can't have kids anymore. And the younger generation that was able to have kids went off to fight a war and they basically all died. Okay. So the younger, the only generation that could have kids, the youngest ones died. So they're like, well, shit, we're just a bunch of old people who can't have kids anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. So they so know they're about rare. to go extinct. Yeah. So it's very rare. Still not a huge DAR fan, but whatever.
0: Yeah, I just I don't get his. I guess, I guess this is his role
3: now. He's, he's just enough. He's young
0: enough
1: to have a child.
0: <laughs>
3: Definitely, I, I, guess I it totally takes two agree. To
1: tango though.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, we get to the crazy scene.
3: Oh this my is, god, this scene mm. was so fucking cool. Mm.
0: Holy! Can hear, can hear, and the other generals just talking shit on Frangilla at dinner. Yeah, the cake is saying Amir is gonna come here. Um, take one look at this disaster and behead Frangilla right away. Uh, you know, Kahir's kind of playing both sides. He's saying we're supposed to be on the same side, searching for Princess Cirilla. And Hake's saying, you know, we'll find her as soon as we get rid of Frangilla's dead weight. So Kahir's kind of going back and forth. Kahir's um, saying, hey, if we don't get the girl, all of our heads will be on the chopping block. But before he finishes that sentence, everybody just freezes. All the generals just cannot move. You can kind of see their eyes darting around just a little bit, but they start freaking out and in walks from Jilla, cool, confident. I have so much resentment for my air and training that I forget there were bright spots, botany, for example, where else could you have learned the paralytic qualities of nightshade and how to mask it in a glass of mead? What did you guys think of this shit?
3: Uh, me? I'm starting. I fucking <laughs> love this fucking scene, dude. It was this was just like, it was basically the end of episode one of the magician spoiler, alert, right? Everybody freezes, the beast walks in and literally takes an eye out of someone, whatever. There's so many yeah. parallels to the end of the magicians, but I just was so impressed with how dark they went because like, okay, Frangilla was a bad bitch at the end of last season when she's murdering Guardians. But this to me was gruesome, like Game of Thrones level gruesome and just like the slow stab into the eye. And then the slice of the throat and then the, you know, like the, the cool, like warrior execution into the back of the neck, like down the spinal cord. I was just like jaw on the floor. Like, this is so badass. Of course I knew she wasn't going to kill Kahir because she needs some sort of um, credible source to back up her reasoning of why she just murdered a bunch of Nilfgaardian generals to when, when Amir gets there tomorrow, you know, that's good enough. And also she always kind of seems to have like a semi, uh, sympathetic relationship with kahir like they don't hate each other or anything like that so i all i'll say is just fucking pure badassery so cool haven't seen it done like that in that way just awesome
1: well i'm just i mean does this happen in the books Mm -mm.
3: Mm
2: -mm.
1: yeah i can't imagine it seems like this would be something that would (laughs) from what you guys talk about the books it seems like this would be something more that maybe a witcher would do i was shocked that like Luke's at the level of almost brutality. She does it very calmly too. I just, it seems like this is not the first time she's ever done something like this. Um, It's just a great scene. Fringilla. She is a roller coaster of a character. I mm-hmm. feel like because we get scenes where it's like, yo, fuck her. And then there's scenes like this where it's like, we all hate hate. So it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, this is fucking sick. Like I like watching this, which is kind of a fucked up viewpoint, I guess. But, um I don't know I just I really like that she's kind of starting to take control now. She seems much more of an intimidating person versus the scene before when she's kind of shriveling up at her uncle and she's just a better character when she's like this.
2: Um love that you mentioned the roller coaster cuz I was going to go there as well. I think this scene really just makes she's kind of fluctuating between these two sides almost it seems like she, yes, she mass murdered a bunch of people at Sodden Hill, even her own, but like, Meh. we also in this season get a side of her where she's you know a little friendlier to she's very friendly to Francesca and they do have a really good bond we see in that one uh, scene. and but here I think she's just like fed up with her being soft at this point in time. And she's like, you know what, fuck it. like I forgot my roots. I forgot why I felt like sought out power in the first place and it was to put people like these in their fucking place. And she just goes off right here, and it was a fantastic scene. This is really her just just solidifying herself as like, I am for the white flame, and I will do whatever the fuck I will have to to make sure that I like I I am respected in his eyes.
1: And I know that felt so good. Oh, my God. She probably walked out of that room and was like, dude, yeah, that was fucking
2: sick. (laughs) My question is, do you guys think they didn't die right? Like when all of them, but. Hey, but do you think, like, in that moment, do you think they were just experiencing that pain yeah. as like they were frozen? And then once she left the room, is when they died. That just sucks. That, that I was mean, the one terrible. guy
0: bled out, yeah. Yeah, when she, she like held just the, went up,
2: when she held the knife to the eye, it was like a split second in my mind. I was like, Oh, she's just gonna make a threat, and without hesitation, just slides it in. I was like, Whoa. Dude, <laughs> I was so happy that just felt yeah. like a satisfying kill for me. But, uh, Paul,
3: before you jump in and, and comment too, um, Kyle, I don't. As we've been going along, I think up to this point, to me now, Frangilla is the farthest from her book counterpart, like maybe across the board. I can't think of someone off the top of my head. Like I thought it was Gahir in the beginning of the season, but he's kind of sorting, reverting to what I thought he was. But Frangilla is just, to me, a complete, like the maybe the most different character. So like all of this is just unexpected. It can cause jaw-dropping moments for us because I don't know where they're going with her. And she's just like taking these wild turns.
0: Yeah, I mean, just completely different character and slapped on the same name as Frangilla at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going on and saying, you know, she brought up the night that Yennefer came in and actually stole her seat of Adern. She was supposed to be basically dancing with the Adern King. Um, and Yen came in, swooped it. And from that lesson, uh, she learned that whenever a lesser light tries to smother yours, you do not sit there and take it. So guess what? You're all dead. And she mm-hmm. goes to Gahir. Just real quick, yes or no. Did you guys know if she was going to kill Gahir or not? I guess, Kyle?
1: I didn't think she was going to, know. Didn't.
0: Yeah, too much buildup of him. Um, I honestly didn't know either, but she... Uh,
1: you can't take down Chris for walking like that. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: but like Luke said, she needs a witness to say what I did was correct. So when the Emperor gets here, rave. And as she's doing all this, uh, she kind of does hear the Deathless Mother, like, laughing in the back of her head, saying, you know, the power will be yours um, if, if you do the right thing and all this. So she still does hear of back there. That's snake.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that snake. So, right?
0: yeah, we just we just see the Deathless Mother laughing and like her fingers kind of just becoming ashes and disappearing. But we're going to jump real quick to redania and we're going to cover king visimir and dikstra's talk and all it was was dikstra coming in and basically saying what's happening with the elephant baby um how dara had a change of heart and they no longer have a spy um, and visimir's pissed he's like dude i pay you to fix problems not just tell me problems and dikstra's like don't worry don't worry this is a good thing you know if our goal is to destabilize the continent bedlam is good news so they are in a very good position and Dijkstra has many more irons in the fire to go as well
1: mm-hmm. i know that Vizimir is a king but it just I, I it always makes me feel not weird i don't even know the right word but like when there's like royalty king leadership characters who act like he acts towards someone like Dijkstra. like why wouldn't the goal to like to make this guy your boy like why wouldn't you want to he just doesn't seem like the type of I mean I guess I you get the trope that like you know they're all fucking dumbasses and bad people because they're power hungry and whatever blinded by power but this seemed the whole time I'm thinking like why you gotta act like this like this guy's <laughs> this guy's the fucking man like he is out here he's the homie he's team you so hard so why well, you got to give him a reason to be upset at you
3: did you imply you, you know he's not a mage right yeah oh I know that Okay, I thought you were implying that, like, you know, work with your mages that care for you and stuff. No. But yeah, no, no, I agree. I think Vizimir goes about everything wrong. But that's kind of the point. In the Witcher world, like, all the kings and queens are such, like, pawns. And it's yeah. really, like, the political movement of just in, like, real time. It's, like, the Aes Sedai. It's, it's, it's all the Brotherhood. So I don't know. It To me, it feels like Chiksha Chik- is, like, more powerful in Redania than Vizimir is, almost.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's, like, I don't want. It's not cringe to watch it happen, but it's like, bruh,
2: yeah. And like we get the, out of your ass. We get the perspective too. Like every king agreed is, for the most part, just your stereotypical asshole. But even the ones that we do like have seen to kind of grow attached to. Like even Calanthe. she Calanthe had her the best. She had her major flaws though. You know, she was extremely racist towards elves as well. Like. They all have major flaws, some obviously more glaring than others. Like, Visimir, I think this is very book accurate, too. He's just, like, kind of sits on the throne all day and just expects the world to just be handed to him. Mm -hmm. And he just, I I think it's just privilege at that point in time. It's just, like, he was raised to believe he was better than everyone else. And he clearly thinks that here. And it's just not the case because Jigstra would just wreck him. Like, he just... Jigstra would fucking rip him in half. He would just have so much, like physically and just literally like uh not literally politically yeah politically you just have so much dirt on the guy you could just yeah. ruin his day
1: it's like he's never seen him with his shirt off before
0: <laughs> <laughs> i agree kyle i don't know why visum is just a bum um he even like threatens him he's like let's hope for your sake that it's true Deeksha." it's like
3: dude has a talking out bro like what are you gonna fucking do And <laughs> you know? he, Yeah. the way he was whipping
1: knives and shit and like i don't know
0: yeah He's a badass spy. Uh, that's it for them. Uh, we have a real quick Rient's and Lydia scene. Um, this is Rient's post Temple of Militile. Um, he's saying, after I saw Sirius gate through a portal, I fled as well. Well, actually, I didn't flee. I didn't have enough strength to open the portal myself. I was too exhausted. So he was aided by somebody. And you go on to think that it is Lydia's um, employer. So, uh, he goes on to say, you know, fine, you little lunatic, like I'm never going to meet your employer. Like you, you keep saying he's going to be here and he just never shows up. So you can have this vial of Sirius blood. It's the trial of the grasses potion. So he basically says, if you run your test and it works, your mask will be here in an instant. So might as well just take it. She's all excited, goes over. She's like, oh, blood tracing is simple. We're going to be able to find her. No problem. Majors have been doing this for centuries. You know, though, I got to admit, most of my test subjects are normally dead. So I don't know what this is going to lead to. She puts on her fingers, inhales it. Don't see the aftermath until the finale. All you hear is her screaming and hitting the ground.
3: I say let's put a pause in this because it'll be a lot more fun to talk about all this next episode. But yeah, I can't wait to talk about that.
1: It was like never doing drugs in your life and like meth being the first. Drug try. Like That's like the vibe I got from that scene. Dude.
2: That's basically what happened.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's fucked up.
2: She's like, oh yeah, I've smoked weed before. Oh, let me try some meth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let me hit that. Let me hit that.
2: Exactly. So you just assume
0: she's fucked up. And when you see her next episode, it definitely pays off. We'll get there. So that's going to do it for the Brienne's Lydia scene. And then we're going to jump over to my personal favorite character bucket, Geralt and Yaskir, just because I love Geralt so much.
3: And I love Yaskier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love Yaskier so much too. It's honestly Geralt, Yaskier, and then like Yen and Siri, just a little bit below and then everybody else. Yes. But we see Geralt at the Temple of Militilli still. He is looking at the aftermath of all these dead bodies the Michele brothers? I believe that's her name.
2: Michele, yeah, whatever they were.
0: Sees that they were paid in Redanian crowns. So, you know, he's thinking of Redania. He knows that these men were after Siri, and that he needs to find her. So, Ninika, I need you to open a portal for me. She does uh do something really cool. She pulls a flower off the brooch and then kind of like heals Geralt's arm. And I was like, okay, there you go. You're sticking with your your rules. That's good. Uh, I actually
2: That doesn't a- happen often. I wrote Nynaeve a couple times by accident in <laughs> my notes here. I don't know why. I was just like Krennay, Nynaeve, I just couldn't remember, and then you said the that guy, and I was like, oh shit.
0: So we get our boy Yaskir in an Oxenfurt jail. He just got caught. He was looking for yen. Got caught. Um, And he is singing a banger yet again, because he only has bangers. Just lock me up and sock me up and throw away the. as he's playing the spoons. (laughs) Um, Go fuck yourself, you horsing, because you're through fucking with me. (laughs) Loved
3: it. (laughs) Kyle, uh, if it wasn't kind of obvious, Oxford is they actually don't really show it that much in the show. So it it probably isn't obvious, but it is like a a super renowned university. So it's basically uh, Oxford. Okay. Yeah. And in the books, definitely not No, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it was obvious. (laughs) I I only said it was obvious because of the name change, but that wasn't obvious at all. Uh he is like Yasker's in the books is like a legend there. Like he was like an I think he was like an alumni basically. And Mm -hmm. when he's walking around, people are like, Oh my god, like Yasker. So it's just cool that, you know, it's a good setting for a lot of shit happens there, at least around this part of the books.
1: It's like uh it's like when we go back to Penn State.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Pretty much yeah exactly. So the guard's freaking out. And he's like, dude, shut up. Fine. I'm going to take a piss. As he goes to take a piss. Who else is there? But Geralt knocks him out real quick. But during the scuffle, yashke is like, dude, like, have you no manners? We're practicing here. He's like, sorry, We're gentlemen.
1: Practicing. We're yeah.
3: practicing.
0: <laughs> oh my god. After the first song, he starts talking to his mice and he's like, guys, you're a little pitchy. Gordon, you were amazing. Yeah. Talent, right? <laughs> talent recognizes talent. All right, let's go again.
1: Oh my god, I laughed so hard when he singles out the one red. <laughs>
0: Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he says, you know, sorry, boys, I need to go handle this gentleman's lack of the real quick. And as he's standing up, who comes in but Gerald? And first thing he says is, "Fuck it," just hugs him.
3: <laughs> Dude,
0: Dave, you I texted got- in the chat.
2: I I, loved I watched this episode earlier today, and immediately I was like, "This scene was great. Oh my god, the reunion! Loved it. It was so good." And Yasker, because so, we know Yasser is so pissed at Geralt, like he was talking shit on him for a couple episodes now. The song is just, about the him. song is about him getting fucked over, and then he's just like, "Fuck it." He just once he sees his face, he can't hide his his emotions, yeah.
3: bro. I got chills from that i thought it was so freaking good how how yasker's like actor just sold obviously geralt's actor can't do anything because he can't react and stuff like that so yasker just was so good man he's like fuck it and then ah oh, god un- it was he so does good. Unload on,
2: he unloads on him a little bit as yasker has every right to do mm-hmm. but i just this is a phenomenal scene here i, I can't love. believe they haven't seen each other since
3: the dragon episode which is like the same YARP that's been episode.
2: <clears throat> quite a few yeah. years i mean yeah. what how old is siri it's been that many years because he says he saw siri in the womb that was basically the last time he was with Geralt. so well no 15 years
0: well and can Orn, at least a decade though. siri was, was siri was born she was probably like eight or nine during okay. kangorn um i'm pulling that out of my ass it, always it's been eight.
2: it's always eight if you don't know it's when it's a kid you just always go for eight <laughs> yeah
0: so it's been a long long time um Yaskier is still yelling at him about it, though. He's like, you left me on a mountain. Have you seen my shoes? I basically slid down to Kangorn. Just, I wish I had more lines, but it, like we said, we just would have had an entire book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Geralt's finally like, all right, I need your help. You can you can yell at me later, but I need your help. It he goes, fine. Give me one moment. Goes back to the mice. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. <laughs> Bows. As he's leaving, he looks at Geralt. he's like, "What? I made new friends. Get over it."
2: Yeah, get I, over it. <laughs> I always love. I love when he calls out Geralt for having emotions because, like, he's so good at like hiding them and or like not saying it usually. So when he's just like, "Cause like, I'm, maybe not specifically for the mice, but Geralt would get a little jealous if you saw Yasker with a new group of people, you know." And I just love that Yasker knows that and could just attack him for it, and it's just so funny. And even Geralt is has a sigh and like a, a soft smile. He's just like. I fucking miss this guy basically. Yeah. And I'll take us through the next scene because Jesus, there's so many
3: freaking funny parts of this, and I just love it so much. Cause they escape the prison, obviously, and they're gonna they're starting to catch up as they leave town, and they actually end up going to like a lake, whatever. Yasker wants to like take a bath. And can I just say my boy is way more ripped than
2: I thought he Dude, was? Dude, thought the He's same thing. He took jacked. took his shirt off. I was like, who did not expect that from the skinny ba- the skinny bard.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know what? Paul's sexiest scene. Yes! Gotta cue the music. Fuck yes! (laughs) Cue the sax. Yeah, Yaskier has cum gutters. Straight up, that's what he has. Dude,
1: and he is keeping the chest hair and everything and it looks great i mean i I don't know if alki has been watching this show but i'm sure he was like bro hell yeah
3: and dude the progression of him talking to himself while gerald is listening about yennefer because he casually mentions like oh yeah like we were together blah blah she lost her magic and he keeps going and she goes wait she lost her magic and he's like yeah it was great and then he's like unless she lied fuck yasker you moron and he just like starts (laughs) like just spiraling and i think that is when oh they quickly talk about uh the deathless mother because he mentions
2: i forget what specifically right after what you said he says that fuck he's like he realizes that she used magic to escape through the portal and then that's when he's like what do you mean he's like she recited something the hut hut
3: yes exactly and then Geralt recognizes that and then tells the quick story which i appreciated the shit out of this the deathless mothers made up kyle but it was awesome that they add this like quick piece of lore that the first witchers were actually the ones that were hired to trap the deathless mother as a monster in that cabin and full circle i thought that instantly made the whole deathless mother storyline from even the beginning of the season just way better
1: oh yeah and, a lot more interesting
3: and also if you guys didn't know there is a new netflix show coming out it's called the witcher blood origins which is going to be about the creation of the first witchers so i'm hoping that That could be a part of it, maybe.
2: That would be awesome. That would be cool. That's a real easy opportunity for them to just lay up. If they can nail that. I'm kind Um, of shocked.
1: I'm I'm honest. I'm shocked that that's not part of the books. It feels like.
2: (coughs) I, I, I personally love it. I don't know if it was said earlier on podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but just the idea of having a monster be a main villain in the show right now is incredible. It's just something that we've harped on that monsters are never mentioned in the books beyond the first prequel books so it's really there's cool. a couple there's a couple but it's really cool seeing one appear as a main villain that it's not just an elf or a human or one of those distinct ca- categories it's mm-hmm. like a main villain here that is having a major effect on our main characters yes. here so love to see it from the deathless mother and agree with luke the backstory on it was amazing and hopefully we get it in the uh blood origins
0: yeah this scene was just absolutely amazing uh gerald Yaskir synergy, incredible, but the actual content of what happened, you know, exactly what you guys were saying. is like, oh, yeah, she muttered something about forest and a hut and a mother. And Geralt's like, turn you back to the forest hut, hut. And he knows immediately. He is like an encyclopedia. I just love how he is
3: mm-hmm.
0: in all sense of the word, a witcher. He knows yeah. everything.
3: He's How can walk-in. you make this scene better besides to add a flying axe going right for Yasker's clothes and enter yeah. the fray, Yarpin, Zig, Yarpin Zigrin, Zigrin, Zigrin yeah. God, that dude
2: is so funny. Just his energy he yeah. brings. He's just like wild. He falls right into the character bucket below Siri and Yen for me. Like, yes, there was everybody else, but there's like that small one of like Yarpins in there. I can't think of any off of the top of my head right now, but there's a, <laughs> there's a group. There's a small couple of players there, but I love Yarpin and he just comes in, comes in guns ablazing. I love how they're always swearing and just joking, no matter what. And, and he's he's key a big part of the books too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, this is what he was called for in the books. I mean, this this is all like book, like last second to last book shit right here, which is awesome that they put it in season two. Huh? Or was this early? No, this might have <laughs> been early. I might have been getting it confused, but uh,
0: okay, I, I see what you're saying. Just, on I just the like trail how it's like carpet. early. I just like
2: yeah. I just like, yeah, I yeah. Just like okay. how it's this early.
0: Before we get too far, I want to go back. Did you guys notice when Yaskir had a shirt off? If you weren't distracted by his abs, he was wearing a necklace and it was a tuning fork. Did you see that? No. I just thought that was such a cool detail. And I actually ended up Googling it. And Joey Beatty, the guy who, the actor who plays Yaskir, was like, hey, like, can I have a necklace? And they're like, yeah, sure, go for it. So he chose that
2: himself. There's also was, a ring on it. I don't know if that means
0: I, there is a ring on it. I don't know what that meant either. Hopefully Maybe, sh- maybe that has some other meaning.
2: It reminded me of uh, Lord of the Rings a little bit. Maybe it was just a shout out to the Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you just rolling around with the ring
1: of power. Yeah.
0: <laughs> could be a tribute to that uh, Oxford uh, one woman who he basically like fell in love with in the books. Yeah, I don't I know, know if they'll touch it, but that could be that's it.
2: What it I, that's pushed. what I was thinking. Honestly, that was that it could have been a sign from his like lover or whatever.
0: But exactly what you said, Yarp and Zygren and the other dwarves are there um, saying, hey, what are you doing here? Geralt's like, what are you doing here? You're, I thought you were supposed to be a lord, like an, in a vassal state in Kangorn. And he's like, ah, lording's for piss ants. Uh, We run the roads for King Henslet now. So he is employed by King Henslet.
1: Do we know who that is?
0: You haven't met him. He is just the king of... Oh, where are they? Is he jacked? <laughs> I think he's going to be cuz okay, they just cause make all Yeah.
1: There's been a couple surprise yoked guys and I have not been complaining.
3: <laughs>
0: um they I I don't know where they are actually. Oh, they're in k one Okay. Gotcha. I wonder
1: I wonder if Yasker did steroids to get like that. I doubt it because I think that's a naturally obtainable physique, but I don't know what he looks like normally.
3: So one of my biggest complaints about the whole Witcher show is it was mostly about season one was like the timeline jumping and Yasker's pretty much the anomaly because he's supposed he should be like 50 at least maybe because he was at the, the he was at the ceremony with, with Dooney, the hedgehog, right? Like, like he, yeah. he was, the reason Geralt was there was cause he was with Yasker and then like 30 something years goes by. So like, that's the part that doesn't really make sense because Yasker looks like he's 20, right? So I, don't I mean, know. yeah,
1: he looks better now than he did then.
3: Yeah, that's that's the weird thing. So it's like, I don't know, he should really be kind of older and not ripped at this point. Like he should be an aged bard that has that every town he goes to, people like, oh, the bard Yasker. Like, we know him because his songs uh, are just like yeah. so and they they all tell about Geralt's like legendary trips and stuff like that. So like time passes a lot in the books and like he grows older and stuff. So it's a little, that's a little inconsistent because they just probably just loved him so much and needed a way to shoehorn Geralt into that wedding. So they made that into consistency inconsistency thing happen, but who knows? Never, My boy's yeah, ripped. I love it. it. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: I'm surely distracted by the cum gutters. <laughs>
0: yes. You're saying he doesn't all
1: four of us come summer.
0: Oh yeah. I say that every summer. <laughs>
3: I said 30 years but that's definitely wrong because Siri was just what it would have been how old Siri is like 15 20 years so
2: Siri's that old 20 she's at least got to be like 15 right yeah well you, like there's like a couple of years of the marriage itself what is that yes
1: i guess that's like, only 5 years but that's like a big 5 years i feel like you get a lot older from 15 to 20 yeah. sure yeah
0: i just love how yasquier's saying he doesn't remember anybody here meanwhile Geralt's like yo where's lucas Cordo? he owes me money like, Geralt's just the man. They eventually get to the conversation. Yarpen, he's like, hey, we could always use some help. You could take Lucas's spot if you want. And Geralt's actually saying, I could use your help. I'll pay you double with interest. Um, you know, please help me out. Yarpin has a line. Usually I tell you to shit twice and die. we on the trail and you never refuse help on the trail. Yeah, he basically uh, says, here, take my horse. Turns to his guys and is like, fuck the king, dude. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. I'm like This okay. is like
1: an amazing friend to have in this yeah.
3: world. Absolutely. He's really cool. I really, really wanted Geralt to call the horse Roach.
0: I'm sure he did. I wish they showed it. Yeah. He needs to bond with it a little bit before he can call it Roach. Mm-hmm.
1: They did have the line though, right? Where he's like, you're not like my typical or whatever. But
3: you'll do. I want him to be like, I'll call you. Roach and just like fucking move on. <laughs> yeah, just call him Roach. Still. Yeah.
0: later on we get them on the trail. Yes, he is just talking to Geralt saying, you know, you didn't even want this shot surprise. Now your entire life revolves around her. Like, is this really what you want? And he says, Yes, it is. Uh, what if, you know, Yen has hurt Siri? And Geralt's like, Well, maybe I'll just have to kill her. Yaskir has a cool impersonation of Geralt. It's like, oh, you're so emotional. Per- <laughs> that was a perfect impression, by the
2: way. I was dying so much. <laughs> it was a really good impression, too, though, to be honest. That was a good impression. That was good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to come back to Yaskir, Geralt, and Yarpin and the rest of the crew in a bit. But, but first, we got to catch up with Yen and Siri. Um, so we see them just uh, teleporting out of the. Temple of Melatele, I should say portaling, not teleporting. Um, And Siri realizes this was the hut of the woman who took me in while I was on the run. You know, it was just before I met Geralt. These were nice people. Oh, maybe they fled and they ran away. Turns the corner. Nope, they're torched. (laughs) Rience, you know, Yen puts together Rience was here. He was on the trail. Siri's more of Siri just saying, Everywhere I go, people die. It's like, What the fuck?
2: I want to really quickly just... I'm sorry. I want to go back just for one quick funny comment. Uh When they're riding up before they get to the house, they're talking about like Yen's history with Geralt and Siri makes a comment, oh, so you love him too? And she like pauses and like... I just love how Ciri is just so used to Geralt being a womanizer. It's just like every girl that she has met so far has had a thing for Geralt. And it's just not... Even Yennefer here and she just makes this like funny comment and I just love that. Does it moment. happen later? No, yeah, it's like right that. before. No, that's
0: about to it come. Happens up. Outside, oh, it? Yeah. after. Yeah. So to get to that point, uh Siri starts freaking out. Oh my God, no if God was after me. What if they have Geralt? Yen explains to her if they do have Geralt, he'll keep him alive because he'll try to lure you there. They probably keep him at the nearest outpost, which is in Sintra. Like, don't worry. Yen's just being a bitch. Um But series trusts her, so they leave, and they grab these horses, and they're running them. And Dave, this is where they have this conversation. You know, Dude,
1: they are riding the shit out of these horses. I don't know if these are stunt actresses or not, but they were galloping like a motherfucker. And I even wrote, as I'm running my note, I said, these ladies are riding the shit out of these horses. And then Yen has the comment, like, hey, maybe we should not ride so hard because they're going to get tired. And I was like, that's hilarious that she said that as I was typing that out.
0: That's them. I believe that's Trey Allen and Anya Charlotta.
3: I'm pretty sure this is actually the opening scene of this episode too. I'm like, is them like waking up in the cabin or exiting the portal through the cabin? Because I just thought that the sound team crushed it with like, when they decide to leave the cabin, they're going to have this conversation. The deathless mothers just like laugh comes in and it just sounds so freaking good and hits that like title sequence of like whatever symbol is going to represent the episode. But they always kill it with the sound team in, in The Witcher.
0: Oh, it's unbelievable. The soundtrack for season one won like a bunch of awards.
3: Oh, really? So I didn't good. know that.
0: Mm-hmm. They basically learn how much Geralt means to both of them. Yen didn't realize how much Geralt was to Siri. So he ends up saying, He's the father I never had, even though he's a grump of the First Order. I just love that line.
1: Yeah, um, it's like, I'm about to be the fucking mom you never had, I guess.
0: <laughs> and yeah, she's putting together like, oh shit, like you're basically his daughter. I just stole his daughter. What the fuck am I doing? And as Luke was saying, the deathless mother is in her head the whole time. Like, you're so close. You're about to get your chaos back. They come to this bridge. Bridge is out. And I think I want to say this is the Yuruga. Let's see. Do they cross the Yuruga? I think they do. It totally sounds like a uh, a fantasy river. It's, it it's totally is. And, and it's like Mississippi. Too. Yeah, It just goes all the way down the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that is because when Geralt portaled in to Istrid, Istrid was on a map trying to find uh, a nice route for the elves to get to Sintra. And he was like, we can't do, do the Uruga because it's been overflowing and it's like destroyed a bunch of shit. That's why I think the bridge is out.
1: All right, eagle ears.
0: Not confirmed. <laughs> Just putting that together. Um, so Trish, not Trish, Jesus Christ. Yen is like, all right, let's see what we can do. Uh, she would be pissed if I was Gerald and I called her Trish by accident. Oh, my she would God. God, backhand me across the room.
2: Yeah, you ain't marrying or banging her in our cam, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so she gives her a lesson. I guess this is lesson number two. Lesson number one was the orboculum. end of last episode. She's like, all right, lesson number two. Um, basically just focus on what you want and make it real. Like you could do this, I believe in you. Um Siri's bleeding from the eyes as as she's pulling the the wood up and, and the boards together. Uh, she's so close. Jen's telling her to stop because she's gonna freaking pop a blood vessel. She already did, but I
1: was gonna say <laughs> she definitely did.
0: So she fails. All Everything drops. She starts screaming, fuck. And all of a sudden, she kind of screams one more time, opens her eyes, and she's on the other side of a river with the horse's end yet. they're like, oh, okay, that works. That's straight up teleporting. That's not portaling. That's teleporting.
3: Yes. That's actually a unique distinction.
2: I love just the mother side of Yennefer in this relationship here because... Every thought series had every time she's used magic is like what am i going to destroy next who am i going to hurt next and yen just keeps harping on the fact she just keeps saying you know remember where you come from remember this is like going to be everything for you just i want you to just learn to enjoy the power even though right now it's frustrating that you're not grasping it but how she just keeps reinforcing her and just making just making it seem like you're not just destruction so i really love that side of yen you
0: have power like this never apologize
2: exactly i love that line that was a great line
0: the complete
1: opposite of how Triss treats her
2: i Mm -hmm. mean exactly
1: be more different so i'm sure it's a little comforting (coughs) that's why i I I wrote here like "Aw, like yen teaching siri how to use chaos is really nice and then it was just oh oh no her eyes are bleeding her eyes are are literally leaking blood and (laughs) we're just having a conversation i was like this went so south yeah
2: and, this was... and it comes at a great time, especially like you said, Kai, like after she saw how Tris reacted to her power, it's just great seeing that Yen can appreciate her power while also encouraging it. And you can already just
3: tell like just fancy tropey. Like she is just her ceiling of power is just so much higher than everybody else. Like she's like kind of the chosen one, whatever. And, but she doesn't have these decades of honing it and slowly growing it. So when she starts doing this like explosion of power, crazy shit just starts happening because she's not like Yennefer, anyone from the brotherhood. Like they had time to slowly culminate it with masters and she's just kind of being thrown into these whack situations. Yeah. Like fucking raise the bridge. It's after never five in minutes. a
2: safe spot too. It's just always like out in the open. It's not like formal training. It's just like learn on the fly type of shit. Yeah. It's
0: like learning math, like just learning addition. And it's like, hey, I do this trigonometry problem. You're like, yeah. what? Like, I was, <laughs> it takes years to get there.
2: That
1: was such an engineer analogy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it really was. It really was. Your engineer is showing. <laughs>
0: so, we, Yen is holding serious face. Uh, and this is kind of like her motherly bonding moment. I think this is the beginning of her realizing, oh, you are like a daughter to Geralt. Maybe I could like, see you being a daughter to me as well. And it would mean it would hit a lot better if she wasn't bringing her to her like certain death. Uh,
1: and she wasn't leaking blood out of her eyeballs.
0: <laughs> that too. Like give her a handkerchief or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't, like I was just not laughing, but like that was the only thing I was thinking about was that that wasn't the first move. It was just, let's just talk this out.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so eventually they get to the outskirts of Sintra. They see the monolith that fell um that way back in season one. If you look closely, it looks like there's also a monolith in the middle of Sintra, like in the tower. I don't know if that's going to come into play late, later, but they do show it in that shot. Um Siri tells Yen that she's the one that destroyed it, and Yen is like, "What? You destroyed that?" Like she's putting together how powerful she is. Mm-hmm. She says to Siri, you know, if we get separated, remember that you have magic, it's all you have, it's all you ever need. It's everything. Basically talking about how she misses her chaos but they have a weird line here. She says like Siri saying when you had magic, you controlled the chaos, but it's the chaos that controls me. And no one's been able to teach me the other way around. We also hear Voleth Mir, like in the background of Yen saying, you know, you're so close Do what you have to do. Seal your destiny. Um, she looks thrown off and Yen kind of touches her. And I absolutely hated this scene. This I was just, the
3: most confusing. What the fuck scene ever. Yeah. I, of the it episode. made
0: no sense to me. So they basically communicate telepathically where, Yan saying, if you're afraid, turn back, the door mustn't be opened. Like you, you, like, I don't, I don't even know. And think- Siri's saying like, you're still, yeah, but you're leading me there to the door. Like you're telling me it shouldn't be open. Like turn back. It's not too late. Like, oh, you were doing this all to deliver me. And she says, I have no choice. And then Siri, let's go. And then they talk in person. And I'm just like, what the hell was the point of that?
2: I What I was thinking was that, like, I don't think if Siri had touched her and she wasn't, like, communicating with, like, the Deathless uh, Mother, nothing would have happened. happened. I think she kind of kind of cut in the middle of their linking. Like, she could hear the thoughts of Deathless Mother too in that scene And too. I believe I think we could hear her, like, vaguely in the background as well. But everything, like, At the same time, because she was linked in that connection, she could also read Yennefer's thoughts. And this is how Yennefer truly feels in this moment, is that she doesn't want to take her here. She knows that it's wrong, especially after the past couple scenes, we saw them together. This is just kind of me thinking it through. This is just kind of how I took it. I actually actually
3: really like your explanation better than what I have. My only headcanon explanation is just... Pulling at straws from down the line of books, guessing at how this could be explained, which I don't think they'll ever get into. But I like that a lot better the fact that Siri was hearing the deathless mother in her head and kind of like getting in between the thoughts. I, and like, yeah, that's yeah. better. I'm using that. I <laughs> like that
0: a lot. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Because exactly. I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Siri just got done explaining how the chaos controls her, not the other way around. So it can't be her yen doesn't have the magic so how the fuck is she doing this and if they were doing it so the deathless mother couldn't hear right after they like break the connection they say it out loud and they basically say yen's betraying the deathless mother so i was like what the fuck is this but if you're saying siri kind of jumped in during the deathless mother yen telepathic connection Mm -hmm. just kind of went with the flow if you will yeah she just
2: like overheard the thoughts And then snuck in and was like asking her those questions. That's just what I kind of-
3: That has to really be it because there's no way to possibly explain this away as like a rule or like a magic connection in the future. Like it's just such a one-off scenario. So that sounds better to me that it's Deathless Mother related. Cool.
0: Yen is saying, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Siri. I didn't know who you were, what you are, or what you mean to him. You know, Geralt's not here. He never was. Sorry, I lied to you. Siri's freaking out saying- you, know, you led the mage to the Temple of Miletillae like we needed you and you betrayed us, like you brought Reince to us to take me. She's saying, I'm selfish, I'm stupid, please, you have to come with me. Siri finally snaps and says, I don't trust you. And it comes out in two voices, her voice and a deep voice This is just her using her power unknowingly. Creates a huge just fissure in the ground perpendicular to the, the monolith one. The biggest one goes, we've
2: seen so far. The biggest fissure we've seen. Yet. It
0: goes so far as to crack the walls of Sintra way down the line. Which causes Sintra and soldiers to chase after them. Yen grabs a stick.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, she's like, get she's away. Not, she's the rob- not do-
2: <laughs> I love the resolve. Even if she's useless, she's still going to try and fight. I love it. Dude, but uh, this
3: scene is so Siri, fucking fire, the second half of this scene.
0: Siri puts up a huge fight, which was great. She She's able to you know get some cuts in before she gets held down.
3: I thought she but, got a so nice like, kill in. I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I like, was in my life. Of, like a nice Arya-style mm-hmm. kill, just like, fuck mm-hmm.
0: you. So all seems lost when Geralt comes in swinging, saves the day. You know, he's riding on a horse, swinging that shit. Cuts everybody down in seconds. We even see Yarpin come in with his boys. They fuck some shit up.
3: Oh my uh, god, Yarpen's boys like completely decapitate one of the guys, and it's not even Yarpen. <laughs> that was just amazing. Yeah, yeah, they it were
1: like catches playing it. with them.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it's canon that the dwarves are a lot stronger too.
0: They're really, really good fighters.
1: Yeah. yeah. He was like holding his axe on the guy's chest, and another guy came in and like hit it in and shit. I was like, they're
0: so just fucking kind
3: of cool. Having it, fun.
0: If you <laughs> noticed that, um, yarpen that was Yarpen's weapon, and it looked like it had a like golden fist on it there was some backstory to it that Yarpen supposedly killed a nilf guardian i think it was a nilf guardian or maybe it was an elf or something i can't remember I, and kill him to cut off his hand dipped it in bronze or gold and then put it on his weapon so everybody like he could kill people with it i was like that's just so cool that's so bad so
2: tough but
3: i just gotta say my favorite one of my most Fucking iconic, like little subtle moments of this whole episode, and arguably the whole fuck this the whole season is this whole fight, right? Like every it's all chaos going on. And as soon as it ends, or right before it's about to end, like series like on the ground. So two amazing things happen here. One just them focusing on Henry Cavill and how absolutely ma- like pissed he is that they're like about to touch Siri. That was <clears throat> just so incredible because that's just is how he should react and then you know we'll we'll go back to it if you want to talk about anything specifically but after they clean up everybody everyone's dead and he's like picking up Siri, making sure she's okay and he's like looking her right in the eyes and Jennifer walks up and in the most badass fucking no look way he whips that sword out right to Jennifer's neck and i was mm-hmm. like holy fuck bro it was so cool i
0: screamed i was like yes i love this Yen's a bitch right now she's acting like a bitch Geralt's pissed and that was just the most badass way to say you're fucked yeah you're fucked without
3: the um elixirs too like he did all of this just normal
2: Mm -hmm. he doesn't need it against humans they don't even stand a chance against him
0: yeah he says like how could you do this all she says is I'm sorry like Mm. bitch
1: yeah that's when uh that's when you know you fucked up
0: (laughs) (laughs) you just have nothing he he tells Yaskir. Uh, take Siri back to Karamor and she knows the way, you know, Yarpin and the boys could like escort you there. Um, oh, I can't stay with you. He goes, no, I'm going to slay a monster. I'll be with you soon. We get a Yaskier going up. Oh, the child surprise. i heard so much about it's So good to meet. Siri just walks on by him. And he's like, like father, like daughter, like you guys are just assholes. <laughs> Even Yarpin this line. Oh yes. my God. Give me chills. Yarpen uh is surprised and he's like this girl she's yours and with the sword still at yen's throat Yen
3: looks, right in the eye looks
0: then yen right in the eyes and it says mine yes mine she is mine i was like "Ooh, you fucked up this, this is so crazy. this
3: whole scene had so many
2: gold little moments and all mm-hmm. like surrounding gerald did they ever and- have like a a fight like, were in the books, I can't remember, were they ever this? Like, was the tension ever this big between them? Ever? I would say no. when, I would say the Wish scene, like that, like I with mean, the okay, genie, yeah, like, like when he first one, met but, her, but
3: that's about it. But yeah,
2: exactly. Okay. So that's why this is, I'm interested to see how they repair this relationship between them. Cause I mean, it's, I can't, it's not a spoiler really. Like, I, I, we have to assume at this point in time that Geralt and Yen are like lovers. So I'm just interested to see how. Their French, like if anything, they're going to repair this this friendship at this point. In time.
0: I think that's what rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, mm. this rift, this division between them should have never really happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a rift that happens, but it's not because Yen was trying to sacrifice Geralt's daughter. So yeah. I don't. It, I it I can ruined. Under-
2: I understand it, where you're coming from at least, just because it didn't
0: ruin Yen's character, but I was
2: like, bro, it brought her down a little bit for me yeah. too. Definitely that. But she doesn't have much in life. I mean, she can't have a kid. I'm just trying to defend, I guess, a little bit here. You know, she just can't have a kid. She just lost her magic. And at this point in time, she's already been willing to try anything to have a child. So it's just going to even emphasize that she's going to go to greater lengths to get her power back. But agreed at, at the sacrifice of Geralt's child. It's like a little rubs me the wrong way, but I think they're doing a good job of it. Like this is developed for a couple episodes now, I want to say, and I, I I think they were doing a good job, and I'll I'll leave it in their hands to do a, a good job of bringing it back full circle.
0: So to, to finish this episode, we, we get Yen saying you know hut hut, they teleport to the the forest of the Deathless Mother. Um, as Yen is saying the uh, incantation, we kind of see it's a dual scene where we see Francesca having a dream that like somebody's coming for her baby, some dude in a cloak and a dagger she actually wakes up to Phil Evandrel holding the bleeding baby and she just loses it. And I, that was the insane. elven, the elven baby that brought all this hope was just murdered like two days after its birth.
3: I thought it was going to be a foreshadowing kind of thing.
0: Um, the deathless mother, as this is going on is feeding off of Francesca's pain and she actually gets so much power that she is able to burn through the hut, her enclosure her uh, host if you will um and is able to free herself and ends up going to find Siri. The last thing we get is Siri going on the trail to Caramorn and it's almost like ashes, a cloud of ashes coming up and just kind of just goes right into Siri somehow and you see her eyes change color. And then we see we hear the Death Mother laugh and the credits roll. I was like next episode right away. Next episode
3: i'll just comment real quick i i'm someone that absolutely dislikes any plot points that involve possession usually um they do a good job i guess in in episode eight because there's like a lot of reasoning behind their decision to do this but you know i always feel like it's a just a lazy plot point because it's never permanent and it's always just like a little just way to raise tension when you know it's not real so didn't love that she like possessed Siri and we'll talk about this way more when we cover episode eight, but you know,
0: yeah, I... not, not a huge fan, uh, but it was cool to see, you know, the deathless mother engaged somehow escape from that monolith. We see like the fiery ashes coming out of the giant fissure that Siri of originally caused in season one. Um, And really quickly, I did like that. We saw the hut, actually stand up on that basilisk legs i did say that like episode two i was like i really hope we see it we eventually did that was cool
2: Mm -hmm. um luke i like what you were talking about i agree possession isn't the it's not the most advanced plot line to throw into a story i agree with you on that um but it was a twist for me just because again i hate to keep saying you know i'm a book reader all this stuff and i just didn't see this scene coming and at first again i think like a lot of the. Uh, scenes i've seen in this this second season so far i'm, I'm like always a little hesitant but i got to sit back and then like kind of soak it in a little bit i thought it was really interesting i think just having especially the character who is supposed to be the bat like either the greatest good of all time or the worst evil of all time you know having they kind of need her to have that fluctuation point like is this going to be the part that drives her over the edge because as we saw well, i'm not going to spoil anything but she does as she's possessed, she does some dark things. And are those dark things going to lead her down that path continuously? And it is a little lazy, I guess you could say, but I, I didn't mind it per se. It felt fine to me at the end of it. I'm not going to say like, I absolutely loved it, but it the was, eyes looked it was really fine. cool though. Yeah. The Green. eyes looked amazing. Yeah, I agree.
1: I think it works best doing it with Siri though. I feel like,
2: Oh, a hundred percent. Like you couldn't have possessed this anyone. This
1: season else. is, is yeah. Is like how strong is she really? And it kind of, you're left at the end of this episode of like, okay, she's now possessed by this demon that's <clears throat> this demon that's <laughs> been kind of pulling the strings throughout this entire season. Who does this demon now know how to use her powers? Like, will Siri all of a sudden, possessed Siri, be able to actually direct this immense power that she has towards something that will assumedly be evil? So obviously with, you know, being a, a complete virgin of, of Witcher knowledge, I I don't mind it that much.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan without going too much on the finale. It ends up being, you know, it's not the worst possession in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, uh, We'll cover that way more, but that's pretty much it for this episode. The only thing I wanted to touch on and this was a bit of a, a gripe i had and this was the only instance though in the series really that they've kind of shown this
3: Seer- in this-
0: <laughs> shut up
3: <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs>
0: so traveling has never really been an issue because of portals but this episode it makes no sense and all right, you're going to you're going to have to follow along on my sweatshirt here okay so this is the continent right so, at the That's end of last episode...
1: Comment. That's a yeah, big, is. wide, strong content.
0: <laughs> so, at the end of last episode, Geralt, Ciri, Yen all together. Geralt... We'll, we'll do Yen first. So, Yen and Ciri <laughs> teleport from the Temple of Militele, which is this E, down into Cintra. And then and they need it
1: From, like, the middle down south?
0: Yeah, so they teleport, so it doesn't matter. But they travel from here to Cintra. This is the hut they went on, and this is Sintra. Geralt, he ends up getting teleported from the Temple of militille to Oxford, which is like all the way over here. Then he he gets yeah, Gashgir, sure. for, for some reason, rides this way to Kedwan, where he meets so up with Yarpen.
1: Literally all the way across the, the other side of the continent.
0: Yeah. And then... From there, him and Yarp and Yaskir ride on horse all the way down to Sintra. And yeah. they just get there in time to save Yen and Siri as they're basically about to get destroyed by these soldiers. Yeah. So the only thing is Yen and Siri travel this distance. Yerald travels Yerald. this distance. <laughs> Yerald. Yerald. <laughs> Yerald. and like me in the episode one
1: and that's two. Yaskir
3: and Geralt together. Makes sense. Yerald. Oh, fuck. Geralt. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean,
1: basically, I I was going to say something similar when we talked about the scene, but I didn't want to bring things down. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice that you actually even outlined right there that Siri and Yennefer kind of just take a quick little jaunt out to the east for, like, what, maybe a quarter of the width of the map while Geralt is going – he's going, what, northeast. Now he's going northwest. He's all the way on the other side, and now he comes all the way back down. I just thought it was funny that, like, Siri makes the crack. And then they're like, oh my God, the soldiers found out. And then it's like, oh my God, they're here. And I was like, how did they get yeah. there that fucking fast? They didn't mm. have time to run 10 feet from where they were to their horses. And yeah. then, yeah, Geralt conveniently comes. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not defending it. Yeah. I, the fight, I feel like if, imagine if the fight was bad too, that would have been horrendous. <clears throat> the fight being so good, I think you you kind of forget about it.
2: I feel like that's, yeah. we, we've mentioned that before on one some podcasts just like usually the issue with these fantasy shows is a lot of like lacking. Lack, yeah just a lot of just not ex- explaining the world terrain that much and- yeah, i mean this
1: show in general i feel like i have fucking no idea where we are whenever we're anywhere
0: mm. they barely show you in that it's it's bad I think yeah. The yeah. they showed you a little bit seen,
1: yeah, yeah it was in this season This show, head, i feel like Sintra's in the middle of everything just because people go there all the time this show, really, sure, like, if Southwest. any,
3: should have used the Game of Thrones method of just like somehow showing it in like the intro sequence in some way because mm-hmm. it's tough to get a grasp, especially if you haven't played the video games like I haven't. It took me like five books to understand anything about like the map, mm-hmm. they don't do a good job of it at all. You basically just need to start recognizing the names of the northern countries like Redania and Sintra, like they're all in the north. Like, Aratu's are like the mages, that's like kind of off down the west. a little bit. Yeah, is like off the west coast. Nilfgaard's like super far south, all invading north. So every time they're talking about like the northern kingdoms, it's basically everybody but Sintra, which is all like it's not worth talking about anymore. But because the map isn't, it's not, it's not done that cleanly. It does seem
1: like they may maybe like shows because even Will of Time, I think, would have benefited from a similar thing with like the map being some type of interactive. Yes. And they show on screen. I just feel like they're probably shying away from it because no one wants to be like a Game of Thrones copycat. But it was yeah. a fucking amazing idea. I mean, it's like so everyone genius.
0: knows what fucking Westeros looks like.
3: I could fucking draw it from memory right now and pretty much <laughs> hit every single country in Westeros.
0: That Europe. is 100% because of Game of Thrones risk that we just played the shit out of. That also <laughs>
1: but I just feel like in, even if you just watch the show, like you have a general idea of where things are relative to each Definitely. other. Definitely.
0: I agree. They do. A, they lack a little bit on the geography aspect. Mm-hmm. That's just one thing. But other yeah. than that, I thought it was a good but, episode. Yeah. If you the, guys characters,
1: the characters themselves are so strong. It just honestly makes me forget a lot mm-hmm. that definitely. I don't where I
2: am. Where it lacks, it excels in other points. and kind of can I can overlook a little because like traveling is okay. Yes, it's a little annoying, but it's not the going to make or break a show for me, you know, but final remarks
3: definitely thought that it, it's it's hard to say because i've it like relatively quickly but i feel like every episode has gotten better and i think seven and eight are the strongest so as of this point into the podcast i think seven might have been my favorite episode i love gerald and yasker together i love yasker i really love yasker and yasker is pretty good too might, but, as well uh... a, <laughs> it, it
2: might as well hit it with a score too at this point
3: yeah i dude like eight out of ten and I would go back and change my first two episode ratings because I thought the first two episodes actually in hindsight were the weakest. And then it pretty much just like
2: slope straight up. I will give this episode to the frangilla scene just carries this episode so much for me. Eight and a half. Change my mind. Forgot about that. So uh, long ago. <laughs> I see. I, it's funny because usually I feel like I'm on the higher end of things, but I'm going to actually give it a seven and a half. I think I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, it's just like, like I said, besides the Frangilla stuff, it was just a lot of setup for the next episode. Like my next episode rating will be a lot higher. I just think this was just a a perfect introduction to the the monster villain of the deathless mother, um, reiterating the badass Frangilla scene. We get a lot of politics. And that's what I really like actually about the show too that I quickly want to say that I, if I haven't made this clear on the podcast before is that they're going into a lot of the characters on this, like the side characters that we didn't get really too much into in the books. Like a lot of the characters in the books that I can only really remember and what they do is like our main group of people like in the mm-hmm. show though i'm really paying attention to like francesca's arc i'm really paying attention to say istrid gets a lot more dixtra yeah like all that stuff so even still i'll give it a seven and a half i think the next episode will be a, a lot gener- more generous
1: rookie okay so I'm going to completely ignore what I gave episodes one, two, and potentially three and four. Not a relative scale (laughs) at all. Me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, That's the problem with
2: that. I think I gave one and two a higher score than this
1: one and I would go back and change that
2: Exactly.
1: Totally. Although I do think that I'm getting better at like thinking about it more. So I think in the future when we do shows, I'll be better at like, if I enjoy an episode, it's pretty good. You know, it's a seven. Instead of it being like an an eight and a half. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so that being said, uh, I'm gonna. I think this was a nice eight out of ten. Um, a lot of things get a lot of storylines we've been following kind of are coming to a head now. We're getting characters that we like are grouping back up together, which is really nice. And it's. I think it's just a really, really good penultimate episode. We're really setting things up for a, a banger of a finale. Yasker and and Geralt together are just great. So and then yes, the Fringilla scene was was really good.
0: My first time watching. I, I just was speechless. A I was, I was a four, four or five. <laughs> going back, it is a really interesting story. Uh, this episode in particular, you guys already nailed everything. You know, Geralt and Yasker reunion and just their synergy nonstop is incredible. Getting reintroduced to Yarpin, um, Fringilla being a badass. Uh, there was just a lot of cool shit. I would give it, I'm going to give it um, an eight. I would give it an eight (laughs) after I just talked some smack on it. Yeah. Yeah. I would give it an eight or actually I'll give it a, I'll give it a seven and a half. I would give it an eight if the geography shit matched up, but the timeline jumping of Geralt and Yen and Siri traveling just basically 20 more times the distance Mm -hmm. and being the same time, it bothered me a little bit. And that
3: stupid scene. With, uh Gar- with siri hearing yennefer's thoughts
0: yes that that bothered me a little bit so seven and a half out of ten still really enjoyed it and i really just love this show even though i am i every time i talk you seem to be a little bit negative <laughs> at first but i do really enjoy it i want you guys to know it's that your baby uh,
2: that's why you just you want you love it and you just want the best for it that's all
0: yeah but that's going to do it for episode seven uh, if you like what you heard, our podcast also covers Wheel of Time, Dexter, Midnight Mass, Rick and Morty, a lot of different shows, but really good shows. If you want to toss a coin to your Binge Town, I'm already tired of saying that. We have a Patreon up where you can become a Binge town homie. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and hit subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Or the easiest way to do all of that is to check us out at our website, bingetowntv.com. Like Kyle was saying, go birds. We are so excited to cover The Witcher. Thank you so much for listening to us and have a good day you're listening to the geekscape network